You're in tune to the Fusebox Radio Broadcast. Uh, turn the music up inside my session. These folks gotta hear my message. Bringing balanced black radio to the masses. Alright everybody, one, two, one, two, what's going on? You're now in tune to another session of the syndicated worldwide Fusebox Radio broadcast, bringing the balance back to black radio since 1998, whether it's on your FM dial, internet radio station, podcast, or cultural website of choice. You got myself, DJ Refusion, in the mix for this special episode this week. And this episode is a mini version of a panel I attended at the New York Media Festival that was held at the Museum of Jewish Heritage on Tuesday, September 27, 2016. The title of the panel is called Technology, Humans, Curation, and the Future of Music Discovery, which basically got into how people are getting into these music discovery platforms in the first place and what's going to be the best one that doesn't have just exactly the best technological touch in terms of finding things, but still has the human touch to it in regards to you, you know, finding out new songs that you dig and all of that. And the panel consisted of a lot of interesting folks, including the head and co-founder of Next Big Sound and Pandora, Alex White, DJ Natasha Diggs, pardon me, Francois Valixair, who is the founder and producer of The Lot Radio. And it was moderated by the co-founder of Mixcloud, which you can check the Fusebox Radio out on, um, cheap plug, um, Miko Perez. And um, it was definitely a very interesting thing, seeing how people want to try to break down finding out who's listening to what via data, but still one way or the other having to have that human touch to make this type of music discovery thing worthwhile. Like, even if you're going through the Excel spreadsheets and studies and all that type of stuff, it still has to be a groove that people are hopefully going to naturally feel instead of having music just shoved down people's throats. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Listen to this particular panel. And you can check out all of the great stuff that happened during that particular week, since they also touched base during the New York Media Festival on video games and VR 
and TV and other forms of media at mefest.com. That's M-E-F-E-S-T dot com. And you can always check out the Fusebox Radio family at our official website, fuseboxradio.com or our blog site, blackradioeffect.com. On those sites, you got all the information about how to reach out to us, let us know how you feel, um, and just all other types of good stuff. So check out this panel from the New York Media Festival, Technology, Humans, Curation, and the Future of Media Discovery. And enjoy, and hope folks um, learn a little something new. All right. On technology, humans, curation, and the future of music discovery. So this is going to be really interesting. I like this crossover. Um, there's a DJ on here, so it's fantastic. Um, I'd like to use Nico Perez, who's going to take it from here. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you uh, to all the team here for having us at the conference today. As Peter mentioned, my name is Nico Perez, uh, co-founder of the Internet Radio Platform. It's called Mixcloud. Uh, we host radio shows called and uh, I'd like to uh, give a big warm welcome to the panelists today here. Everybody is kind of involved in the world of technology, humans, so they are all <laughs> and curation. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about music discovery, how it's changing the technology, a lot of the services that are changing the way we approach music and um, you know, I, I'd like to ask each of you to say a few words to introduce themselves, um, who are who they are, what they do, and also if they're happy to share kind of a recent discovery of an artist or a band or something that they decided to recently. Hi everybody, my name is Alex Boyd. Head of Next Big Sound at Pandora. I co-founded Next Big Sound in 2008 with two other uh, guys, and uh, we started tracking online music activity of every band in the world across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Wikipedia, Tumblr, Instagram, Vine, uh, every place where music was consumed online. And our mission has been to take all this data and make it actually useful for artists. That's really what we're continuing to do at Pandora, reporting all the Pandora activity um, to the music industry um, and running the team there. So, a recent discovery of mine was a band, an artist called A Boogie with a Hoodie. Has anybody heard of them before? Um, so, we started creating three new charts for Pandora Pandora Predictions, Pandora Trendsetters, and Pandora Top Spins. And the Trendsetters chart is which emerging artists have added the most new station creations in the last seven days. And I've never heard um, of this artist until he was number two on the Trendsetters chart last week. Before added, we were talking about it last stage, but check him out. My name is Natasha Dix. I'm a DJ. I'm based in Brooklyn, New York. I'm part of the city. I'm excited to try to perform the horn. And I'm also part of this 45 party called Mobile Mondays. Uh, one of my recent musical discoveries uh, just happened with the Sega. And um, I learned about the least of these kind of numbers of tracks that I get through, like the jazz, uh, the sax, very musical, but you know, the tracks that I And I learned about a movie with Jazzy Jeff. Who had this DJ uh, play those retreats every year. So I went to that um, a month ago and 
ser mais claro essa vida, de outra vida, outra que não é vida que é essa. Right, so my name is Francois Axeler. Six months ago, we found that we were working 100% independent online music radio called The Lost Radio. It's basically a vacant land since 40 years of working that we turned into an uh, online radio station that is funded by a little copy stand that we host in the same container, the shipping, between shipping containers. Um, so basically, all my music since we opened six months ago is discovered through that little container. Um, because we're there from KDF to midnight every day. And uh, the best highlight we had since the beginning is, without a doubt, Atal, who is the co-founder of Rush Hour, a really respected record store and neighbor from Amsterdam, who was supposed to come at the radio to play 30 minutes before going to play in a club next door, and ended up playing more than five hours because he couldn't stop. And it's by far the best mix we've had on the, on the radio since we started performing. This stuff. So I thought we'd uh, kick off the questions kind of in a very macro sense, um, obviously a 30,000 level. And just ask you guys, in general, you know, we've seen an incredible explosion of growth of the internet with Big Eye over the, uh, the last 20 years or so. Uh, and each of you are kind of somewhat involved in some way with this cross section of the, the internet and music technology. And I'm wondering if you could just touch on a little bit uh, how it's affected you personally, but also the professional. So the way that we, when you first hear about a new band 10, 20 years ago, you take a whole set of actions that you don't take anymore. You don't write it down or get your car and go to a San Antonio or a tower uh, like you used to. You might pull up on your phone and listen to a YouTube video and watch it or a streaming service or download or whatever your consumption mechanism is. Uh, but just the whole way that you know, consumer behavior, all of us in this room, Allowed a lot of um, data and measurement to come into play that was never available before. The word of mouth and the spread of music has always been around for all of human existence. Um, it was just magnified and amplified and sped up and a lot more trackable than it's ever been. So the internet created um, obviously a conduit for music to spread faster and farther than ever before. And I think the exciting part of the way it's impacted me is just the ability to collect all that information, try to understand what all of that actually means, and how the trends of artists going from playing, you know, in their garage and having a nationwide tour to try to unpack a little bit more of that black box, right? But uh, how artists are uh, spread on top. I remember um, you guys did have some sort of industry report that you did, and you kind of identified different key stages, right? Maybe Sure. I talked earlier today um, on the actual details of, of the numbers, so I won't go too far into it now, but there's five artist stages that we've identified, undiscovered, promising, established, mainstream, and epic. And you know, there used to be benchmarks with um, gold and platinum records and chart positions, and over decades the music industry had an intuitive understanding of, hey, an artist who's just starting out on their first album, maybe should do gold and hit this sort of chart position, but on the second album will go for platinum and, and those sort of heuristics. I think there's a huge opportunity now to provide clear benchmarks and milestones that artists can understand because just the fact that you had 5,000 plays yesterday um, is hard to know, is that good or is that bad? How does that compare to other artists like me or maybe one that are two or three steps ahead of us in our career? Um, 
So I think that's a really rich area of identifying benchmarks for artists to compare themselves against as they're talking about. So then we're going to talk a little bit about artists. Yeah, I mean, when you were covered that as a DJ, personally, it's in my back. <laughs> um, carrying the records is how we're creating some viral Whatever now, the number of files, and a lot of times on the fly. Um, you know, at a gig, sometimes if somebody, you know, even even down on the internet, like in the air, something like that. Um, so it makes that really successful that it's used my way to do compared to the other way. And apart from that, though, it has also changed the way we just see So, where before uh, it was a different to go to the store and find an album that was a kind of piece. Um, now it's mostly about singing, about songs, and you know, the mix of uh, flavors and things like that. So it's really changed that stuff. I remember just uh, to, to touch on that, that moment in time when people started transitioning to playing vinyl to digital. I had a friend who was a DJ and he turned up at a club once and the bouncer was there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm going to do that first time. And the bouncer looked at me and said, Where are your records? Pulls out the PSP stick. And the bouncer just like laughed at me. What is that? But, you know, it's now, now mostly one of those plays. Something from the future format. From the future format as well. Francois? So, definitely, we're an internet radio, so we want everything to be included. But it's interesting to note that um, actually, I think what because in six months we kind of got a lot of press and a lot of visibility in, uh, in a lot of different music scenes in the art of the world. And I think the whole thing is that contrary to other online radio stations, because there's a lot of uh, online independent radio stations that are doing a great job, but we have um, a real place, like a real container, a real different place of land where people could come and meet, etc. So definitely the internet was the echo chamber for the project, but the most important, the most important value for me was that real location, which is a magical little place in Brooklyn, with the view of the city, we were really lucky to find it. And without that location, I would have, have never started the radio scene. It was so difficult to get a meet at that place, but most of my friends were, were telling me that I was totally crazy and I should just rent the studio and push it and start it on my radio. But I felt that it would have never picked up because then you you just lost in a lot of noise. So the real place is the offline place where the radio is. I'm curious, did you see the location first in the top? Yeah, I think put it in that way. That's literally like that. Yes, I, I walk in front of that triangle is famous in the neighborhood. It's really other people many years. It's incredible. And everybody wants to do something in that triangle. And one morning it was for me. And that morning I was walking to work. I was depressed about work. <laughs> I'm doing something on the triangle. And Ten meters later, I knew I was doing what I was doing. I knew it made sense. That the fact that the place was there, the place made sense for me. I would have never done it in a the car wash. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, 
the next question I kind of wanted to explore a little bit is this idea that with the uh, tools of production and the distribution channels that have grown through technology and information, there is now kind of more songs out there than ever before. SoundCloud is one of those things all of these different services are going to have to learn from basically more than anybody could ever do. So, I guess the question really is is there such thing as too much computer and reduced saturation? If not, how can those technologies and human creation of these guys help solve this problem of navigating inside of I think we already passed the point where there's more music than any one person could listen to in their entire lifetime. That is like kind of the too much music point. And there's only more music every single day, which is great. Everyone who wants to be writing a board can do so. And that's been totally democratized. But in the old days where shelf space was the scarcity, now attention is the scarce element. So the real challenge is how as an artist can stand out um, amongst thousands of millions of other tracks and artists, um, how do you find your audience and grow your audience and get the best? Um, you know, it's not the catalog size anymore. For a while, a lot of the services were trying to be commenting with songs and music tracks for that. Um, but you're seeing less and less of that as people realize that they're already all have more tracks than you could ever listen to. It's more about, you know, keep the area of differentiation and curation is probably one of the biggest ways it is. And um, can you, I know you're not working directly on this situation in the past a little bit. Can you touch on a little bit how you guys go about it and how this is something you just mentioned and how you do it? So Pandora has the music genome project. Are people familiar with the music genome? So every song is encoded against 400 different characteristics ecologists who are going through and listening to these tracks, each one takes 30 minutes or more to encode. Um, there are 15 music curators right now, and they're responsible for different genres and being fully aware and immersed in each of those genres, making sure that you know, we have the music in the collection and that it's spinning appropriately. Um, and then on top of that, human curation element, um, where it's all encoded by human beings. Uh, and we put a lot of the collaborative filtering on top where people's thumbs, reactions, and other listeners uh, are added on top of them all the time. Lots and lots of different experiments to improve listening and people who like this also have uh, very sophisticated methods. We've been like doing for over 10 years and kind of best feedback listening experience uh, out there myself. And it's music and um, there's also a big and how many different things sound and all that actually so maybe it's just um yeah. You were saying earlier that you got a few options and that's that's where for my personal life. 
past, you know, my past I was, I like the sound. I like, I like some of the books. That's how I feel. That's kind of how I started out. I think five years ago I thought that everyone would be like that, diving deep in each of us finding our own niche of whatever exact that we love. Um, and that's fully what we expected, but the more we look at the data, the hits are getting bigger and bigger and clustering more and more together. Earlier this summer, when we first launched the top students chart on Pandora, same for Spotify and other services as well, of the 100 top spinning songs, one in five were Drake songs. Like a fifth of the top 100 this summer. And it's just the, the exact opposite of what I've talked with when 100 million tracks were produced, which is everyone finding these healthy niches that were um, they're able to explore it. Certainly, there are people doing that and able to go as deep as it's possible. The vast majority of people cluster around the big ones. No, but I tend to agree that with the new shift, more and more we see a lot of different platforms in the same clusters, in different environments, etc. So it's extremely different experiences. I think there's more room to look for more platforms, or whether it's just a good platform that we can finish. But we are there, we have a specific goal, and a lot of people are listening to it. But that's why the listening part of it is fine, and it was bad chance, but I can see that tendency even for example festivals, festivals used to be big, huge festivals in every country that we live in, now just in New York, I see this summer like they were projecting at least two or three meters, I can see that they could have a small little festival that kind of a really little scene, system version that was two weeks ago, it was incredible. Talented festival and high quality festival, and I think it's going to grow and grow and grow. So there's room for a lot of different things to happen. There's an ecology of things happening. Of Pandora being part of the back, everyone else, but there's room for a lot of different things. So let's talk a little bit about an artist perspective. This huge number, a growing number of tracks, kind of as a main kind of factor in a way, especially the early Maybe some artists here in the audience and managers and I was just curious from each of your perspectives, do you guys have any tips and thoughts on how artists do kind of their community? So there's no magic bullet, of course, or playbook. There's a couple different archetypes or patterns that artists follow. And I think the, the best kind of universal advice is that it's all about experimentation. Measurement it sounds kind of cool, but that's the business side of the music business. So let's say I'm a, a, a new artist. So if, you're a, if you're a new artist, uh, each week you could try something new, posting one song on a different platform and seeing which ones get the best reaction for the things. Okay. Um, a little bit of marketing 
money, let's say 50 bucks a week, 200 bucks a month, you spend 50 on Facebook ads one week, 50 on Google AdWords, 50 on YouTube ads, and what works for you and your fan base can be different than what works for another artist and their fan base. So I just think the rapid experimentation uh, and results is really um, the key because there isn't one English in the um, The shortest thing is getting on still terrestrial radio and industry television um, in terms of live driving um, awareness, of course, but uh, I think that's. Right, so it's working both ways, and 
is more and more important. It's more and more important. It's tricky. Like the value, I don't, I don't. For example, a radio, like none of the details are there. That's what we normally involved on the radio side, and because that's what we And also, but again, I think that it's it's just in Europe that we grow together. They're helping the radio. They come in for their shows, but they they get legitimacy. They get the views. They have some answers about people. They can do that. They get booked from all of us. We bring both together the platforms, the people who are creating content. I mean, you know, that's a really specific example. But that's a really interesting thing. I listen to more music now than ever, as a lot of people here, but don't have the same, we can't possibly have the same um, focus on it as I do when I'm spending $20 per hour there. So I think it. Is changing and frequency that I expect is music from the artists or the DJs that I follow has changed. I think everything just sped up. Faster and faster. Um, speaking of which, we only have about five minutes left, uh, so uh, we want to open up the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just shout it out. But again, that's what I'm saying. It's a lot of noise, and that you should do not take your time to listen to the music. You love, support it, talk about it around you, etc. You're part of the of the solution. You're part of the music is the same here. So you have to be careful not to listen to all the noise around. As a DJ, I just say that. Yeah. 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 Over and over so that people get it, you know. Like, I mean, if it's something I really believe in, I'm gonna get it so that's the third one that's gonna be played. Like, uh, you know, I'm not gonna play the same set for you, but I'm gonna put a song in the mix more and more for people who know the words and you know, they never heard it before. Well, I think just using the creativity and that, like, uh, I listen to music where I find a song and I just get obsessed with it and play on repeat like a hundred times. Getting anyone to sit still for three and a half minutes and listen all the way through a song is really difficult. I don't know if you've tried it recently, but just not having them check the phone, their phone, not having them skip to the next song, not having them do anything other than listen. You'd be in a car or at a listening party or somewhere where you kind of artificially, no cell service, like slow things down around them. I guess I would just say, like, Critics reviewing things quickly and posting things, you know, at least they're listening to it and not a different album. It's hard enough to get them to listen to something, let alone listen slowly and take it on top. But also, like, you know, like, nonsense on the internet, as a visual, as a many people sit there and listen to the whole thing, maybe several times, because so sometimes adding more elements to it. Both, I mean, absolutely both, in every way that I can get it at this point. I mean, we have to utilize them in the we kind of naturally, uh, since we started, we got surrounded by so much amazing. DJs, musicians, 
music lovers that wanted to feel bored at radio and that showed that they were incredibly knowledgeable and experts in their field. I'm astonished at the level of knowledge that those people had. Within six months, some of them got every week the new show with a record, etc. So we are lucky, we are surrounded by incredible people, and it really happens kind of naturally. We worry, word of mouth, I mean, they come close to his friends, etc. Et so we worry more of who's to like that. Yeah, I think that's what I don't because <laughs> I, I really think it's the key, key point of, of the project and how solid it is. It's because I think every day it's because of our, our little triangle, which can really a little hub that attracts the neighbors that have been there for 20 years, they don't understand anything about the old music, but they, can, they feel, they respect that it's an honest project, independent, etc. Also, a really, really interesting thing that's happening is that since we have two hours left of the day uh, following each other, a lot of DJs that would have never met in uh, real life are actually meeting every week, etc. And we're creating bonds, like bonds between them, and the collaboration that are, that are coming along that are, we have never taken place. So I think for us, it's like really good. Like without that little place, it would be way weaker and way less fun. Basically, everything would be like placed first, and then the internet creates this little chamber that makes it available for everyone. And I'm super, super thankful. And also, an interesting thing is that I think the kind of the strength of that radio is that I didn't want it to be, I wanted it to be self-funded with the coffee shop. So it means that we pay everything to that coffee to neighbors that come and get coffee in the morning. So it means that they pay in privacy, but we don't really need place, we don't really need life or anything. We just do whatever we love and think we just with the people and we look alive. Yeah, that we like, that we do the best. <laughs> I, I do love the physical, digital element. All that we are trying to do is measure people's emotional reaction and connection to the music, right? And so the ideal data source would be heartbeats and dopamine and you know a bunch of things that we can't yet get access to. And the second best thing to that would be, you know, we can measure the lines around the block, how far those go, and how long they can stand out there, and the crowd surfers. The proxy for that is the online communication skill for every artist. Music and how that's expressed online. So I think, unfortunately, our time is up. But I'm told that there's some beers somewhere outside of your vibe, right out here. So we can continue the conversation outside. Thank you very much for the round of applause for the panelists. You can listen to the Fusebox radio broadcast via iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podcast Attic, and your other favorite podcast players. Check out the Fusebox Radio's official website for our latest episodes, events, and more at FuseboxRadioOnline.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fusebox Radio Show, Twitter at Twitter.com slash Fusebox Radio, and Instagram at Instagram.com slash Fusebox Radio. Feel free to contact us at FuseboxRadio at gmail.com to submit music for airplay consideration, 